Posing as a businessman on a humanitarian mission to save children from starvation, Ireland's most notorious drug trafficker has been trying to start a new life in Africa. Christy Kinahan Sr. is the founder of the Kinahan Cartel, but unlike his son Daniel's high profile in the world of boxing promotion, much less is known about his life since he left Ireland for Spain 20 years ago. On Saturday in the Irish Times, our reporters Connor Lally and Colm Keena revealed major new information about Kinahan's activities. This story is basically about Christy Kinahan making the very unusual move of trying to set up a new life for himself in Zimbabwe. Presenting himself under the name Christopher Vincent as a businessman, supplying aviation services to humanitarian organisations in Southern Africa and negotiating with the Egyptian military to buy used aircraft for $8 million. This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Aideen Finnegan. Today, Christy Kinahan's strange new life in Africa and how it fell apart. Connor, Lally, I'm going to start with you. We know who Christy Kinahan Sr. is, but his profile is much lower than that of his son, Daniel Kinahan, who we've heard a lot from in recent years. We know they're both based in Dubai and the Kinahan cartel suffered a serious blow earlier this year when the US government announced it was offering rewards of up to 5 million euro for information leading to the arrest of Christy Kinahan and many of his associates. They were banned from doing business with American companies, from getting on US airlines, from accessing their properties. And then authorities in the UAE essentially mirrored those sanctions, froze the cartel's assets and life changed dramatically for them. But on Saturday, you were reporting brand new information about how Christy Kinahan Sr. has been trying to build a life for himself in Africa. Tell us what you've discovered. Yeah, so obviously we know in the last few years, and particularly um, since the springtime, since April, that, you know, life has become probably more restricted for the Kinahan cartel, including its founder, Christy Kinahan. But... Even before those sanctions came out, we now know that Christy Kenhan Sr. had spent about five years trying to establish a new life for himself in Zimbabwe. Now, you know, that will sound like a very unusual location for him to go to. But it really appears that as his son Daniel's profile began to grow in the boxing world and as a major international policing operation really began to you know cooperate more with each other across border and to target the cartel more that Kinahan was really looking for options to get out of the United Arab Emirates and to basically flee to a new place where he could you know start again effectively and he chose Zimbabwe as this location we have learned that he tried to get married in Zimbabwe to his long-term partner. He's three young children with this woman. Um, he's been with her for you know nearly 20 years. She's from the Netherlands and she's in her late 40s. He's 65 now. He tried to get married there. Our sources believe that this was the first step that he was undertaking in order to try and get permanent residency in Zimbabwe. Now, we understand the Zimbabwe authorities have blocked his early efforts to get a marriage license over there. And we understand that he didn't actually get married there. But he, he continued with those efforts for quite some time. And really, he has been in and out of Zimbabwe, living there for you know long periods at a time with his partner and his children. We know that he was last in Zimbabwe around March, April of this year. Now, what appears to have happened then is when the U.S. sanctions on the cartel were unveiled, he hasn't been back in Zimbabwe since then. 
Is he afraid to, you know, jump on a plane and travel to Zimbabwe? He probably is. But certainly up till that point, he was trying to establish himself there. He was renting a house there. He had a social circle. He had other people who were involved in, you know, crime, others who weren't involved in crime that he was working with. He was trying to set up various companies and so on. This has all been underway. We've never heard anything about Christy Kinahan and Zimbabwe before now, but he spent a large chunk of his time there really over the last five years. And we're not any clearer on, on why Zimbabwe in terms of, is there a family connection with this, these three younger children that we didn't know about or, you know, extradition arrangements that Zimbabwe has? Well, my understanding from sources is that is that one of Christy Kinahan's contacts met a man from Zimbabwe, from Harare, on an airplane around five or six years ago. They struck up a relationship and it seems to have been through that person. They kind of used him on the ground as a kind of a guide to Harare to try and get him set up there and so on, um, to try and do various deals in the aviation sector, to introduce him to people in Harare. So I suppose, why Zimbabwe? Why not Zimbabwe? He wanted to you know, get involved in the aviation sector really across Africa, and he was going to use Zimbabwe as his kind of, you know, HQ for that. But really, before he was able to put those plans in place, as I say, the world changed on him quite drastically when the sanctions were imposed back in April. The United States Department of State is pleased to announce a reward for information leading to the financial disruption of the KTCO or the arrest and convictions of its leaders, Christopher Vincent Kinahan, Daniel Joseph Kinahan, and Christopher Kinahan Jr. Column, we found out even more about this story through our association with the ICIJ, the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists, and you reported on that in Saturday's Irish Times. Now, your report has some incredible details about the activities of this secretive man. What can you tell us? So the material shows Christy Kinnan using the name Christopher Vincent. Vincent is his middle name, as being involved in a lot of businesses, most of them based in Dubai. And strangely enough, he often uses the same name, CV, like CV uh, Aviation Consulting or CVK Investments or Christopher Vincent Consulting and so on. So they have this kind of formulaic way of naming themselves. And very often he set up websites and LinkedIn profiles and Twitter accounts to go with these business activities. So he's presenting himself as a person a business consultant and also one specially interested in aviation services in Africa and aviation services that are focused in on helping aid agencies and so on. So in the material is information about him attending a conference organized by the World Food Programme, which is a branch of the United Nations in Sharm el-Sheikh in Egypt, where the climate conference is going on at the moment. So he attended the annual global humanitarian aviation conference there in October 2019. The other attendees included the International Red Cross and Médecins Sans Frontières and so on. And he presented himself as Christopher Vincent, a person who was there on behalf of a company based in Singapore called Crescents and Crosses that was interested in aviation services for humanitarian aid organisations in Africa. 
And so he attended the, the conference and we've seen photographs of him and so on. Yeah, I believe there's footage of him, you know, scrolling his phone with another man at the conference. Yeah, well, there's photographs. There's photographs of him sitting, yeah, in this in this nice conference centre, you know, lounging in a, in a lounge chair with his mobile phone and a glass of what looks like water in front of him and an identity uh, card around his, hanging around his neck and so on. We have confirmation from the World Food Programme that, they, that he attended the conference, that he attended under the name Christopher Vincent, but they said they had no direct no- negotiations with him then or since, uh, as far as they're aware. So, Colm, what was he actually doing at the conference? Well, there was information posted on the, the website of Crescents and Crosses. And the material we have includes him emailing the people who ran his websites. They're an outfit based in Malaga in Spain. And, and they're saying, well, what do you think about this? We're going to post this news item about you attending the conference. And he says, yeah, it looks good, you know, put it up on the website sort of thing. And the website's closed now, but they're archived all online and you can use a service called the Wayback Machine. And you can see he said he attended the conference to network. And he says, you know, Crescents and Crosses always has its fingers on the pulse. Uh, literally says that. And when you look at the emails, he's very much like a real go-ahead business executive that loves his job, is really interested in details and is always pushing other people to, to get on with it and get the deal over the line. And how is this coming on? And I'll meet you next week here. Can we do this? Can we do that? And here's how I believe teams work best together and so on. Like you, you could be looking at the leaked emails from somebody, somebody from PricewaterhouseCoopers, you know. Wow. So he was in Sharma al-Sheikh to, to, to network. He looked like a, a fit and well energetic businessman who was who'd ended up in this uh, sector and had knowledge of it and could provide consultancy service and for the good of mankind. Yeah, there was a there was a kind of a message on the homepage of Presidents and Crosses that as long as you know there's I can't remember precisely, but as long as there's a child gone hungry in the world, none of us can sleep sleep easy. That kind of thing. So it's all about cultivating an image of a man at the top of his chosen industry. We mentioned at the top of the podcast that we've learned about an attempt by Kinahan to buy eight airplanes from the Egyptian Air Force. And his attendance at this conference in 2019 is kind of related to that. Can you talk about that? So he went there to network and the patron was a minister in the government of Egypt who was the former head of uh, a military chief uh, in the Egyptian Armed Forces. And I don't know if it's related or not, but anyway, a few months later... Kinahan, a company of his called Sea Dream, based in Dubai, was in contact with the defence attaché for the Egyptian embassy in the United Arab Emirates about the purchase of these uh, aircraft that you just mentioned, Canadian-made turboprop aircraft called the Buffalo. And they're a particular type of aircraft because they're, they're specifically designed so they can land on rough terrain. They're specifically designed so they can land very quickly and take off very quickly on very short runs. So a small single-engined plane, you would think, would be the, the best able to land on a small runway. This thing can land on an even shorter runway, although it's a big military transport-type plane. So he wanted to buy nine of these for eight million. I think they were well-used and maybe in need of repair. Maybe some of them were for parts, some of them for what. So the negotiations went on about buying nine of these for a while. The proposal was that these planes would be used for a a business down in Malawi or be leased to a business down in Malawi or used by the business down in Malawi that was involved in air ambulance services in various uh, African countries. It only had one aircraft, but it supplied services to a number of African countries and other sort of humanitarian type operations. And I assume 
this outfit didn't know who they were engaging with? Well, the principal, as I understand it, thought he was dealing with an English businessman called Christopher, Christopher Vincent. But then later on in the in the engagement, there was some requirement to see a passport or whatever, you know. And then it was realised that the person involved was Christopher Kinahan, the notorious uh, drug smuggling operator. And um, the deal never went ahead. We don't know why. Well, we don't know why. I, I got it. There were difficulties with the production of money to finance purchases, that sort of thing. The timing of it all, I'm not very clear on. But it ended up in a kind of a dispute, which I gather is ongoing. What do we know about the motives for all this activity? And and perhaps, Connor, you might be the person to answer this. I'm minded to think of Daniel Kinahan sort of laundering his image through boxing. And is that kind of what was happening with aviation? Or was there a, a more, I suppose, strategic choice of getting into that line of business? I mean, I do think the comparison with his eldest son is really interesting because I, I, I kind of feel they were trying to do the exact same thing really around the, uh, the same time. I mean, obviously, Daniel Kinahan became involved in the boxing world during those 10 to 15 years that the Kinahan cartel was really founded and grew uh, when it was based on the Costa del Sol in Spain. He was more in the background of the sport, organising fights, you know, contracts, big payouts for like fighters if they, you know, fought each other, that kind of thing. He was a deal maker in the background. And then what we saw was a very, very clear effort for a period of time there a few years ago when he tried to step out of that role and take up a, a proper official position in the sport as the guy who ran a stable of fighters or had, you know, interests all over the sport. And really what he was trying to do there was he was attempting to simply just stand in the ring and say, this is who I am now. I'm a figure in pro, in pro sport and that's it. And he felt if he just took that stance, if he struck that pose, he'd get a bit of stick for a while. There'd be a lot of heat on him in the media. Eventually that would wear off and he would have relaunched himself then as this person out in the open involved in professional boxing. I think his father was probably trying to do the same thing as well. You know, life, I imagine, gets hard when you have to hide a little bit all the time, when you're watching yourself and so on. And I just think these men have really made this orchestrated effort to live in plain sight, really, over the last few years. Obviously, Christy Kinhan Sr. changed his name a little bit, uh, called himself Christopher Vincent. But he set up things like Twitter accounts and Instagram accounts and all of that, using that name, using pictures of himself as well. So I think he was just really trying to relaunch himself in a new life in the aviation sector so he could live openly and he could, you know, take on that role. Now, obviously, we can't be innocent about that either. This is a man who has founded and grown the biggest organised crime gang Ireland has ever seen. The High Court has heard details about how this cartel kills people. So if you have an international drugs trafficker at the head of a, of a cartel, that's been running drugs all over the world, that's killed people, and he's getting involved in the aviation sector, obviously you're going to be concerned that this man is going to use his position in that sector and to maybe piggyback on the back of that and use this for his, you know, drug trafficking and so on. And obviously small airplanes flying all over the place, particularly in Africa, um, would be very handy for transporting drugs. Now, you obviously have to be very, very careful here because he was involved with other people in those deals. Christy Kinahan, who is the person who's the drugs trafficker, we have no information that anybody else that he was, you know, dealing with, that he was trying to put plans in place with and so on, have any involvement whatsoever in crime. 
But obviously, law enforcement uh, the world over would be very concerned if Christy Kinahan got a significant, you know, foothold in the international aviation sector. Um, and I think the reason for that concern is fairly obvious. Yes. And, you know, it really rankles, actually, Colm, hearing you talking about how this website, Crescents and Crosses, has him saying that he can't sleep, you know, while a child is going hungry, you know, we can't sleep. Thinking about the children across this country who are going hungry because their parents are addicted to drugs and leading an awful life. It's it's actually quite sickening, really, the, the juxtaposition of those two things, especially considered, as you were saying, that this is kind of really high level stuff that he's coming out within these email correspondences that you've seen in terms of getting involved in the business. What else can you can you tell us about that? You mentioned there's some quote in your article um, about how composite materials when woven together make the resulting fabric stronger, lighter and more efficient. I believe the same is true of business relationships. These are astonishing correspondences. Like I said, when you when you read uh, the email correspondence, it comes across as this sort of person who's totally immersed in legitimate business and the pursuit of, you know, his business goals and so on. And, uh, you know, the stuff like that that kind of comes across as, you know, he sounds a bit like a motivational speaker addressing some entrepreneurs or so on. And the mind boggles considering, as Connor said, you know, this crime gang is associated with planned murders. But not only that, of course, it's spent decades now destroying people's lives all over this island and all over uh, all over Europe and further afield. I mean, he, he lives off misery and addiction and in the most horrible way. And I must say, when I was reading through the, through the email uh, correspondence that had been written by Christopher Kinahan, I just couldn't get my head around it. Uh, I, I was trying to, you know, as you would think, what kind of a person can act like this one minute and, and know what he's done at the same time. And, uh, you know, and it's certainly beyond my, on my understanding, but some sort of, must be some sort of tag like sociopathic or something that, that he can compartmentalise like that. Absolutely. Connor, life has changed, obviously, dramatically for Christy Sr., Daniel and Christopher Kinnan Jr. since the sanctions were announced. So is it possible for them now to use their vast wealth at all these days? Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely think it is. Um, Say if you look back to the period of 2006, which was really still in the early phase of the cartel growing in the south of Spain, although it it was, you know, obviously quite big by that stage. But there was an an operation set up back then called Operation Shovel. And it was international law enforcement across Europe coming together to zone in on the gang and to target them and to try and bring them down. But that primarily involved cooperation between the between law enforcement in Ireland, Spain and the UK. But it, sp- it spread throughout U- uh, Europe. And then if you even look at some of the other countries that ended up getting involved, it gives you a really clear idea of the co- type of places that uh, the Kinahans have activities and have assets. Places like Brazil, Panama, Dominican Republic, China, United Arab Emirates and so on. So they had very big property interests in, you know, and like owned land in places like Brazil. They run a massive, you know, laundering network across Europe as well that's used by other crime gangs. These people have a lot of money. It's not all in like bank accounts under their names or even in bank accounts that can be tied to them. So can they use their money? They absolutely can. Are they still very wealthy? Yes, they are. But the squeeze is on now, definitely. I think really once the Americans target you in the way 
that they unveiled their sanctions against the Kinahans here in Ireland at an event in Dublin back in April. I can promise you that the dedicated law enforcement and intelligence analysts will all work aggressively and tirelessly to follow up on every lead submitted to bring the Kinahan Organized Crime Group to justice. You know, once you've caught the Americans' attention to that extent, I don't know, I think your life is going to be very, very difficult. So they are still free, they're not caught, but... You know, when you look at the way Christy Kinnan Sr. was trying to market himself as this aviation guy in Africa and various other places, you look at how Daniel Kinnan was trying to launch himself in pro boxing. Could they do that now since their world changed after these U.S. sanctions were imposed? I just don't think they could. When you're excluded from everything with a U.S. interest, that kind of makes international deal making a lot harder because the Americans are at the center, really, of everything, you know, including the NGO sector, including pro-boxing. So they're still wealthy men. They haven't got as much money as they had previously. Most of their people who are working for them in Ireland are in jail. Um, a lot of them are going to be in prison for like 20, 25 years, maybe even more. So they're not, you know, cock of the walk anymore. I mean, when you look at the way Daniel Kinahan was able to come to Ireland and kind of walk around freely, As recently, really, as like seven or eight years ago, I mean, that world is just completely gone. Like, I doubt any of the three Kinnans will ever step foot in Ireland ever again. If Africa doesn't work out, then what next? They are still in Dubai for now. Obviously, I think Zimbabwe is probably off the list of of possible places Christy Kinnan may set up home, certainly for now. Where else could they go? I mean, I think Russia would be a bet for them if they wanted to go anywhere. And I think the Russian authorities would be quite happy to deny the extradition of the Kinhens, particularly to the US, you know, if that's where the charges were brought. So Russia could be a place where they'd pop up next, but we just don't know. The fact that this information has come to light, Connor, does suggest that maybe there is an awareness now of who the Kinhens are in Africa and maybe we might find out more. Yeah, I suppose the interesting bit about this information is really, certainly for me anyway, is the Zimbabwe link, because that was completely unknown before now. Uh, we also didn't know that uh, Christy Kinnan had a, you know, a partner of whatever, 20 years or so, and that he that, that he had three young children with her. I mean, that's completely unknown before now. But we we have known that Christy Kinnan has made moves in the aviation sector in other parts of Africa. We You know, that emerged before now. So he would have been irate about that. But I think this Zimbabwe information, because it hasn't come out, because the information that he, you know, he effectively has a new family hasn't come out before now. You know, it does really point to a world that they don't control as much as they used to. It's the slipping away of power, I guess, isn't it? The unmasking of these people and what they're doing and so on. And even when you go to somewhere like Zimbabwe and you meet people from Harare and you try and make deals and you try and, you know, you rent the house over there and you check out schools and you try and get you know married there and 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 so on even when you do that in the place in in a place like Harare which really there's very little you know connection between Ireland and Zimbabwe we wouldn't be consuming their you know journalism they would you know they wouldn't be reading ours and so on and even though it's as far away and remote place as that the fact that his activities there end up on the front page of the Irish Times Again, that wouldn't have happened years ago. You just wouldn't have known where he even was in the world, you know, years ago. Whereas now, really, every movie makes is kind of fairly well documented. You know, obviously not every movie makes, 
but um, a lot of detail is now coming out about him that he would want to keep private and I just think as I say it's just part of this shift it's the power ebbing away from them really I mean that's how I'd say it Connor Lally and Colm Keena thank you very much for joining us that's it for today this episode was produced by Suzanne Brennan Declan Conlon and myself Aideen Finnegan In the News will be back on Wednesday